Welcome to the Dean's Thought Leadership Series brought to you by the University of California, Irvine's Paul Mariah School of Business. I am your host, Dean Ian Williamson. It is a pleasure to welcome you to another edition of our Thought Leadership Series. Today we have with us Mr. Paul Mirage, who is the chairperson of Mirage Investment Group, and also was the co-founder of Chef America. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. It is really a pleasure to have you with us and for you to share your insights. This year, or this past year, has truly been dynamic and disruptive in a way that we've never thought about. As a successful entrepreneur, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs about how they can best thrive in the environment we see today, but also the environment that's taking shape over the next two to three years? Well, I, I thank you very much for having me, um, Ian. I, I think it is um, uh, it, what has happened this past year has actually been a con continuation of what has been happening in the past decade, which is one thing that it proved was the power of new technology. Suddenly we realized that we could stay home, order food from restaurants, we can order um, groceries, and we can also order anything else we wanted from Amazon and the likes, and don't have to go anywhere and the world will still turn. Um, and, and we had companies like Zoom, that had a you know, capitalization value of $20 billion prior uh, to COVID, all of a sudden become $100 billion, billion no, five times bigger in capitalization within a year. Um, so I, I think the power has been there. It's just not everybody was aware of it. Now everybody is aware of it. Um, and, and what it says is that rapid change is taking place within our economy and, and it will continue. Uh, what has happened in the past year is not going to completely go away. Um, some, uh, quite a bit of it, uh, remnants of it will still remain. Will everybody just chuck their offices? Probably not, but they will um, maybe stay home a little more often. Some companies totally, you know, I've already said, Facebook said, okay, we're closed for our offices, you know, work out of your home. Others, maybe not. Um, but I think change also is going to be forthcoming. Uh, and in a very big way that is going to not only impact entrepreneurs, um, but will also impact entrepreneurs that are working in large companies. If you wanna be a leader for the future, you need to know where changes are going to happen. And you need to lead your company and your organization into opportunities that it represents, as well as um, the pitfalls. Take it away from the pitfalls. And I, I think that what is happening is, uh, that change is going to actually in the next 10 years is going to dramatically increase the rate of change because now AI and quantum computing are going to join the base of knowledge that we have in information technology. 
and combined, they're going to change our lives in ways that are very unpredictable. And that will impact each of us and every one of our businesses in, in very, very substantial ways. Um, many of the S&P companies that are here today may not be here 10 years from now. Uh, and and uh, we have to think about that. Millions of jobs are going to disappear. Um, and there are other ramifications for that, social and otherwise, but um, that is what is going to happen. And I'm not sure even as a society, we're ready for it. We kind of sense it, but I don't know that we are ready for it. But talking about opportunities also, I think you have to consider that it's, you don't have to create as an entrepreneur, you don't have to create another Google. You don't have to create another Apple. Every time one of these major technologies are developed, there are so many subcategories uh, that can offer opportunities uh, for new businesses. I, I can't believe how many people have made a ton of money on just YouTube. Uh, you know, uh, how many people have made a ton of money on all the apps that they have put on Apple? Um, and, and not to mention the ad companies that have come, have been born because they are now dealing with social media. Uh, so there are opportunities everywhere, but you just have to dig into it and you have to be very aware of it. COVID-19, political disruption, policy disputes, trade disputes, all of these things have really raised a lot of big questions around international trade and globalization. As someone who I know has given a lot of consideration to these types of issues, what are your thoughts about the current environment for international economic collaboration, international business partnerships, and globalization more broadly? Well, you know, international trade has been here for a long, long time, and it's going to be here for a long, long time in the future. We are, we are uh, codependent as countries. Um, in fact, uh, if you, you know, with all the political talks that was going about that US is going to go it alone, it, it ignored the fact that 50% of all the S&P 500 revenues come from abroad in the United States. I, we are the dominant um, force within the international trade. Even though our trade levels are not as high as places like Germany, uh, as a percentage of our GDP, still our companies are predominant in all of Europe and elsewhere. And so um, that is going to go on and it's very much to US advantage to strengthen those ties uh, and continue. We, we have made a, a fortune over the, uh, after the war on all of this. And where we are today and with the standard of living of this country, of the people of this country, a lot of it is de dependent on that. So, but however, having said that, I would say some changes um, became clear that are needed. And one is um, US realized that certain critical industries like healthcare supplies and things of that nature need to be more localized. And I think the government will make sure that that happens in the, in the, in the future. 
I believe there's, there's a movement afoot to do that. And there may be other critical industries that will also be pinpointed. And, and we are not, you know, we just don't want to be dependent on other people on that. Um, furthermore, our focus has become much more closely tied to Asia now. Uh, we realize that we are in serious competition with China. China is determined to uh, basically create very close ties, economic ties with all of Asian countries and take them out of the US sphere of influence. Uh, and we are saying, we don't want that. Certainly not, because it would, it would be a tremendous detriment to the United States if that happens. Um, so I think the existing administration, and I'm sure future administrations will be very focused on that. Um, China. China is certainly uh, learned that they have to have their own semiconductor industry, that not, uh, not to have to rely on the US. And also they decided that they are going to uh, really focus on uh, a couple of things. One, building some of the essential high-end um, technologies uh, at home. But also they're trying very hard to get out of the, U out of the yoke that they would call of the US banking system. So they, are, uh, they just, for example, recently uh, set up their own uh, blockchain digital coins. And, and they're trying to use that throughout all of Asia for trade to get away from the dollar. Um, last week, uh, the Fed said, oh, we're gonna set up our own also. Uh, so, um, you know, as a reaction to China. Uh, so, because we realize what they're doing could be dangerous for us. Um, and Brexit uh, had a big impact on Europe and one of the things that we saw was that Europeans finally, finally decided uh, to actually issue Euro debts, which uh, Germany had been completely against, but now agreed to because they're afraid of Spain and Italy leaving. Uh, and, and they felt that if they didn't actually issue Euro debt to support Italy and, and Spain, that they could lose them like they lost uh, Britain and then um, the European Union would lose a lot of its meaning. Um, even Arab world is uh, waking up to the fact that uh, the price of oil uh, 10 years from now is not going to be what it is today. Um, and that they're going to have to totally change their economies if they are going to survive. Um, and one of the reasons they have now become friends with Israel is because they really need the, the kind of uh, technology that Israel can bring to them to make that shift. So there's a whole lot that's going on all at one time and a, a lot of changes that are happening. As you said, we've been doing international trade as a society for a long time and we've never been more interdependent as a globe. So I agree. I think the future will maybe be slightly different than the past, but it will still include tremendous levels of collaboration across many different boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I agree.
Of course, the last 12 to 18 months hasn't just been about COVID and international disputes. We've also seen tremendous civic and social unrest. There are many calls around the world to address major challenges such as injustice, discrimination, economic participation, poverty, and violence. What are your thoughts, Paul, about the responsibility of businesses and business leaders in this conversation around big social issues? Well, in uh, poverty and economic discrimination, have, you know, they have been always around to one extent or another. Um, improvements have been made, but there's a lot more to do for sure. Um, but what we have seen in the past decade or so has been an exasperation of the situation. And, and the question is why? I, I think a great deal of it, it has to do with uh, what, we are changing, what we are seeing in our economy, uh, a shift from one type of, in, from industrial economy to the knowledge economy. Now, we went through something like that. Uh, our country went through it and the rest of the world when it went from agricultural to industrial uh, and we survived it. Uh, but the amount of, but there were some critical differences. I think that uh, one of the critical differences was the fact that it didn't take a tremendous amount of change in knowledge or education to go from a, from a farm to the floor of a factory. It was a relatively easy transition. Secondly, it took decades for that to happen. And thirdly, it wasn't, it, globally, it, didn't, it wasn't tomorrow. It did not so rapidly go because we didn't have the means of communication that we have today. So in all of these three cases, um, you know, we have a situation which really has exasperated what we are going to, what we, we are shape, seeing. Um, and, and, this, and the question is, what can, what can be done about it? Um, so I, I think there is a little bit, bit, bit of a misunderstanding of whether all the jobs that have been lost in the United States have been due to transfers to other countries. Some of that is certainly true, but a great deal of it, and I would say the majority of it is due to automation. As, as it's become less expensive to automate, companies find that they can automate and shoot automates in order to be able to survive. And so against competition, so they're doing it. They have been doing it. They continue to do it. Uh, we are trying to say, okay, um, what happens to poverty? What happens to economic in, in discrimination and injustice? Unfortunately, as automation takes place, um, it, it, is going, it, it hurts the people who are the least educated. And the least educated are going to be, you know, people that have seen discrim economic discrimination in the past. Um, and so we need to really educate a much higher percentage of our people. Uh, so what is the responsibility uh, 
Uh, well, before I go to the responsibility, then let's say one other thing. I have a great, grave concern that in the next 10 years, this situation is going to be fundamentally much worse. And, and the reason is because um, artificial intelligence now is really penetrating even at higher levels. Um, uh, Mayo Clinic nowadays, uh, when they read scans, um, they used to have doctors do it. Now, uh, computers are doing it and they found it's more effective. Bonds on Wall Street used to be transferred all the time by attorneys who would take two days to do it. Um, AI is doing it in a half hour, much less expensive and more accurate. Um, you know, uh, the banks are going to lay off a huge number of people uh, because of AI. Uh, insurance companies are going to lay off huge number of people because of AI. Um, so how are we going to train these people now all of a sudden uh, to, to take on far more difficult jobs, which really require much higher level of education? Um, and that worries me because uh, that is something that can really create social and political impact. Um, what can, what can companies do? Well, I think a lot of the, um, a lot of it depends on the um, corporate culture in any country. Uh, in Germany, the corporate culture has been, okay, labor unions are, are a participant uh, in, in the business. They get in there, they sit with management, they work issues out and they work together. Um, and also German companies set up long time ago, uh, a process where they, uh, they brought people in to train them, spend a lot of money on training and gave them jobs uh, where they needed jobs. Um, but that's German. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to uh, maybe uh, economic philosophers and political philosophers to figure out how that's going to change. I don't think it's going to be a real quick one. Uh, I think under certain circumstances where some of the very large companies um, have um, investors, which are like from labor unions and so on, uh, they may shift a little bit here and there, but a lot of it is probably not going to be real. Uh, at least I haven't seen it. Um, but I think the, the government, is it's the job of our government to really find some ways to educate a lot more of the people that are, um, are at the lower levels um, of economic status. And I have to say that I am very proud that UCI has been at the forefront of that. Um, we have brought in more, more kids who, have, who are first-timers uh, going to college uh, in their families. I think that's a fantastic thing, and I hope it continues. Yes, I would agree. I think there's a great need for strong, robust education systems, particularly public education systems, like the University of California system and others. In my opinion, there's never been a time where our societies have had a greater need for education, and this is more critical for our well-being. 
And to do that effectively, obviously, it means partnerships with companies, government agencies, industry, and philanthropic organizations to ensure that we continue to make education something that's accessible to all members of our society. I have to say that I am, I was the first one in my, in my family to go to college. Mm. And had I not been able to go, and at the time I was at uh, Berkeley and I was paying $300 a semester. <laughs> my, otherwise we would not have been able to afford it, which is when I had some success, I said, okay, it's time to make it up to the UC system. And, and this, is, this was a, a big impetus for me. That's fantastic. One last question for you, Paul. If you had to advise a business leader about how to prepare themselves to thrive in the future, as you've discussed today, what would be one or two things that you would recommend? Okay, I, I will share something with you, um, which is what we do within our, um, within our hedge fund to try to figure out, um, you know, when, when you have a hedge fund, you have, you go long, you invest long on some companies which you think are going to prosper and you go short on companies you think they are not, are not going to do that. How do we try to figure this out? How we do it, and, and our hedge fund has been very successful in doing that, is try to figure out who is, who is being very proactive in seeking new technologies, moving on the dot, changing their systems, changing their operations, and, and also dealing with shifts in the consumer needs and wants. And who do we go short? The ones who are reactive or not active at all. This is the future. Uh, in, a, in an environment that change takes place on a momentary basis every day, the winners are going to be the ones who are proactive and the losers are the ones who are reactive. That's as simple as that. I think that's well stated. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure having you with us. Paul, thank you for your time. Thank you very much for your insight. And perhaps most importantly, thank you for your continued support of higher education, both at the University of California level but also here locally at the University of California, Irvine. It has truly been a pleasure having you with us today.